Well, as Tony said, my name's Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity, and it's my privilege to be here with you guys today as we wrap up this series that we've been calling You Pick. Now, I don't know if you remember if you were here with us on Easter, but we gave you a whole list of possible sermon topics, and we said, what, what do you guys want to talk about? What do you want to hear sermons about? And one of the top choices that time was this question, do prayers change God's mind? And uh, the team here at Green Trail said, we've got to get Mark for this one. We really don't want to touch this subject here. This is kind of a tough one. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but it is kind of a tough question, isn't it? You know, the, do prayers really change God's mind on things? Is that possible? How, how can it be that we have this all-knowing, all-powerful God? Is it possible for him to change his mind? Well, uh, let's see what God's word has to say. But first, I just want to make sure we're on the same page with this question. What exactly is prayer. Because, you see, I think a lot of times uh, Christians tend to think about prayer when you think about it kind of like writing a letter to Santa Claus, right? I mean, you know, I, there's this stuff that I want, and so I, I sit down, and God's way out there somewhere, you know, in North Pole or heaven or wherever that is, and, and uh, we want to make sure God knows what we want, knows what we need, and so uh, we take the time to, to sit down and let God know what it is that we want, and we think maybe if I'm good enough, God will give me that, right? By, by the way, this is like one of my favorite letters to Santa ever. Did you see here what they did? They basically gave him all the URLs for all the cool toys that they wanted, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's kind of neat. But anyway, but is that what prayer really is? It is kind of letting God know what we want and hoping he's out there somewhere listening to it and, and hoping he's going to respond? That I, would, I would argue that that's not what prayer really is all about. We may, we may treat prayer, prayer that way, but really, I would say a much better metaphor uh, for prayer is a conversation with your grandpa. Or, or with your dad, or, or with your grandma, or with, with someone that knows you, and loves you, and cares about you, and wants to be with you. That's, at its heart, what prayer is really all about. It's a conversation with a God that is intimately and deeply involved in our lives. He's not out there somewhere. He, he actually doesn't need us to tell him what we need. He already knows. It's just this wonderful conversation with someone who cares about us. That's what prayer really is. But that doesn't really answer the question, does it? The, the question that, that you guys wanted us to wrestle with, this idea, is does prayer change God's mind? Well, let's take a look at what the Bible has to say. There's a verse in uh, Numbers chapter 23 that says this. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so, and look at this, he does not change his mind. There you go. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week, right? No, I mean, is it really that simple that, that this verse of the Bible just says, no, God doesn't change his mind? I, I would argue it isn't that simple, and here's why. I want to point out to you three stories in the Bible. They may be stories that you're familiar with. Maybe uh, you know some of them, but, but, but there's something interesting that happens in each one of these stories. Let's start with this story. Do you remember the story of the golden calf? in the Old Testament. Uh, God's people, the children of Israel, have just been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They've been slaves there for 400 years. 
And now they've been set free from slavery. And, and right before this, there's this story where God brings them to the Red Sea. Do you remember this? The, the, the Egyptian army decides that it, they've changed their mind and they want them back as slaves. And so the army's coming at them and they're trapped up against the Red Sea. And you remember what God did? He parts the waters of the Red Sea. He does this incredible miracle. And the children of Israel go through on dry land and they come out to the other side. But when the Egyptian army follows, God lets the sea collapse itself on them and rescues the children of Israel. And from there, they go straight to this mountain called Mount Sinai, and they gather around the base of the mountain to worship and praise God there. And Moses goes up on the mountain to talk with God, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. But while that whole conversation is going on, while that's happening between God and Moses, the people get bored. And they start to wonder, how long is Moses going to be up there? And, and, and they're not sure why they're there or what they're doing, and they make a terrible mistake. They decide to get together some gold, and they fashion it into the image of a calf, and they start to worship that idol instead of the God that has just rescued them out of slavery. And God is furious with them, as you can imagine, and look at what God says to Moses. Then the Lord said, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. He's like, Moses, I'm okay with you, but the rest of them, I'm tired of them. I just, I just did all these miracles for them and so quickly they've forgotten me. I'm done with them, I'm through with them. But Moses Moses pushes back at God a little bit. He, he says this to God, oh Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you've threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all of this land that I possessed, uh, that I promised your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So God, Moses says to God, God, come on, think about this a little bit. Don't do what you've said you're gonna do. And look at what it says. So the Lord God, and this is exactly what the Bible says, changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. God changed his mind when Moses talked to him. All right, let's take a look at another story. This one you probably heard if you've been, uh, if you were a little kid in Sunday school when you were growing up, the story of Jonah. Remember that story? So God says to Jonah, Jonah, I need you to go to the people of Nineveh. They are evil people, they're doing terrible things, and I'm going to bring judgment on them. You need to go warn them about this. And remember, Jonah doesn't want to do it. He, in fact, goes the opposite direction. And he gets swallowed by this, this whale, this fish, and then he gets spit out on the shore by Nineveh. He has no choice. So he finally goes to the people of Nineveh and he warns them about what God is going to do. And then look at what happens. Then the king, the king of Nineveh, and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. Everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw what they had done, and now they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now there's a little more to this story. When that happens, Jonah is not happy. Look at what it says. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. 
And he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord God about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. Jonah says to God, dang it, I knew you were gonna change your mind. I hate those people in Nineveh. I wanted you to judge them, and now you've changed your mind. I knew that was gonna happen. So not only did God change his mind, but Jonah, who knew him, expected God to change his mind. That's interesting. One more story, and, uh, and this is, again, a favorite story of mine. This is the story of King Hezekiah. Now, King Hezekiah was uh, one of the Old Testament kings, and uh, unlike many of the Old Testament kings who led God's people to worship other gods and did things that were very selfish and evil, uh, Hezekiah was, by and large, a pretty darn good king. He destroyed a lot of the, the idols to false gods, and, and he encouraged God's people to follow God faithfully. But it's getting near the end of Hezekiah's life. And, uh, and so God, Hezekiah becomes sick, and God sends Isaiah with a message. He says, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says, set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. God was giving Hezekiah a warning that his days on earth were numbered. But Hezekiah wasn't ready to go yet. And uh, so it says, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord, remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. By the way, do you think Hezekiah was being totally truthful here? Do you think he always did exactly what God wanted him to do? Probably not. But then he broke down and he wept bitterly. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gone before God in prayer and you were just in tears? Hezekiah is in tears before the Lord. And God is moved by his prayer. And in fact, Isaiah hasn't even left the building yet. He hasn't even left the palace. It says, before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And I'll add 15 years to your life and I'll rescue you in this city from the king of Assyria. In other words, when Hezekiah prayed, God said, all right, I've changed my mind. You're not gonna die now, at least not yet. I'm gonna give you more time. I'm gonna bring healing to you. So, does God change his mind? Do, do our prayers actually move God to the point that sometimes he changes his mind? It sure seems like it, doesn't it? But, but, but let's kind of step back from those stories and, and let's see what we can learn about prayer. Here's the first lesson. I got three lessons for you this morning that I'll, we'll finish the message up with. The first lesson is this. We have this promise from God that prayer always accomplishes something. You see, I think that's really the question behind the question, right? The question, does, do, do our prayers change God's mind? What we're really asking is, why should I bother praying if, if God's already decided what he's gonna do, right? What we're really asking is, do my prayers actually accomplish something? And God's word promises, yes, our prayers matter. There's this beautiful verse in James chapter five where it says this, this promise from God that the prayer of a righteous person, and by the way, that's you and me, 
If we've been baptized, if we've been made a part of God's family, if we've been given the forgiveness of our sins, if we've been given that gift of God's love and grace in our lives, we are righteous people. We are people that are part of God's family, even if, like Hezekiah, we don't always do exactly what we're supposed to do. It says the prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Isn't that an amazing promise? We can be confident that when we go before God in prayer, our prayer is gonna work. It's gonna accomplish something. This week I was doing a little research for this on the internet and I found a ton of websites like this one. You know, here's three reasons why your prayers aren't working. Baloney. You know, this particular website said, here are the reasons, you don't have enough faith, you didn't pray right. Wait, what? No. That's not God's promise. God's promise isn't your prayers will be very effective if you have enough faith, or your prayers will be effective if you say them the right way. No, it just says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You don't have to worry that your prayers aren't gonna work. Prayer accomplishes something, always. Here's the second lesson that we can learn. Sometimes the person that gets changed by prayer is me. Here's my, here's my favorite example of this. Here's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before he's about to be arrested and he's gonna be put on trial and he's gonna be beaten and he's gonna be crucified and he's gonna do that for you and for me to rescue us from sin and death. And, uh, but he knows this is gonna be difficult and so he, he gets a couple of his disciples and he goes to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane and he has them sit and wait and pray with him and he goes off by himself a little bit and he gets down on his knees and he prays and look at the prayer he prays. He says, Father, Abba, I love that word, Abba. You know what that word is in English? It's Daddy. He says, Daddy, Father, everything is possible for you. And then he asks him for something. He says, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Jesus prays, I, I don't want to do this. This is going to be hard. This is going to be terrible. Please, Father, if there's a way, take this cup of suffering away from me. But he ends it with this, but not my will, but yours be done. And then do you remember what happens? He goes back to his disciples, and, and they're, they're praying fervently, right? No, they're sound asleep. And Jesus is like, guys, seriously? You couldn't stay awake with me and pray for just a little bit? And then Jesus goes back to pray again. And in Mark's gospel, he doesn't tell us about the prayer. He just says Jesus went back and he prayed again. But Matthew tells us exactly what Jesus prayed that second time. And look at what it is. Jesus the second time says, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Notice what's happened. Jesus' prayer has changed. His first prayer was, Father, please, take this away from me. And the second prayer was, yeah, I know you can't. I know you would if you could, so, so let me drink it. Your will be done. Prayer changed Jesus. And the same thing happens with us. Sometimes when we pray, when we pour out our heart to God, when we tell him what's on our mind, when we, when we tell him what we're struggling with, sometimes just that act of bringing it to God changes our attitude. And it changes what we pray about. I love in Philippians, Paul says this. He says, whenever you're anxious about something, take those requests to God, but do it with thanksgiving. 
I dare you to try that sometime. Next time you've got something you really want to talk to God about, something you're really concerned about or worried about it, start your prayer by telling God everything you're thankful for. Changes your prayer. Prayer sometimes changes me. But I think from the stories that we've seen, uh, it's, it's obviously true that, that sometimes our prayers change God's mind. I, I love those words from Jonah. He's like, he's like, I knew that you're merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Did you notice that each one of those stories we looked at, each one of them, God changed his mind from some punishment or destruction or pain that was going to happen for someone and instead became gracious and loving and, and gave them extra life. He gave them second chances. God does change his mind sometime in scripture. We see it, but it's, it's always for the better and it's never for the worse. I was talking about this, this idea, this concept uh, with Nick Price, our site pastor over at Kimberly Way. He's preaching over there this morning, and, and he shared with me an, an illustration about this that he was going to use, and I think it's a good one. I want to share it with you. He said, you know, he lives not far from here in Green Trails, and uh, there's all kinds of trails. That's why they call it Green Trails, right? All kinds of places you can go for a walk, and so he'll take his kids for a walk there, and they'll get to a place where you can go left or right, and he'll let his kids choose. They'll go, okay, which way do you guys want to go? And they'll go, oh, let's go this way. Or sometimes they'll get to a place and he'll go, okay, we're going this way. And they'll be, no, dad, we want to go that way. He'll go, all right. He'll change his mind and they'll go that way. But he always knows where they're headed. And they always end up where they're supposed to go. And that's the way it is with our God. There are times when he lets us choose. There are times when he makes one choice for us and we pray and, and he goes, okay, I'll do what you want but he always knows where we're going. He always knows the destination, and, and he's still in control. He's still gonna get us there. So if that's true, if sometimes God does change his mind, what about this verse we looked at that said God doesn't change his mind? Well, you gotta know the context. You see, this was spoken by a guy named Balaam. And Balaam had been asked by the king of Moab, this guy named Barak, he had been asked to curse God's people. He had been asked to go to God and to get God to change his mind and, 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 and curse God's people. And look at what he says. He says, well, I went to God. He said, listen, I received a command, but to bless. God has blessed and cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel, for the Lord, their God, is with them. In other words, when he was talking about God not being able to change his mind, what he was saying is once God makes you a promise, he will never change his mind. Once God promises to love you, once God promises to forgive you, once God promises to bless you, once God promises to be with you, he will never change his mind. We, have, we can have confidence in knowing that, that because God has made those amazing promises to us, there's nothing we could ever do that will make God stop loving us. There, there is never going to be a time when God will look at you and go, well, I was going to bless you, but now that you've done that, forget it. I've changed my mind. That's never going to happen. One pastor friend of mine says it this way. When he prays, he always ends his prayer with this phrase. He says, Lord, now give me what I want or give me something better. 
And I really love that. I've started doing that as well. When I find myself on my knees going to God, going, God, I really need your help with this, or, or God, I really need you to do this, I will end my prayer and I'll say, no, God, this, you know what I want. Please give me what I want or give me something better. You see, sometimes when God looks at us, he knows what's best for us. And, uh, and maybe what we're praying for isn't what's best for us. And, and so God's promise to us is he, he will never give us anything that's gonna hurt us. He will give us what we ask for or he will give us something better. That's his promise to us. Let's, let's, let's put that into practice right now. Would you bow your heads and would you pray with me?